Welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. Talking all things health, well-being and equality for LGBTQ plus communities of colour. So relax, listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. My name is Ellis and I'm here with our lovely new guest. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, Ellis. I am Jay. I am 26 and I am a performer based in Manchester. And what kind of performance do you do, Jay? So at the moment, I'm just re... I'm just coming back into uh, doing drag performance, but I am a dancer. I've done cabaret acts and I do a lot of go-go dancing in the city. And I believe you're fresh off your um, uh, re-entry into the scene. I am, yes. Last night, actually, I, I had my first sort of revamp performance after taking a five-year hiatus from doing drag. Um, and I had my first sort of live performance performing my songs and I, I was really, it was just really surreal to be able to come back into it. Yeah, how, how did that feel like being back on stage again in a kind of, because obviously you're used to being on stage as a performer, but to, you know, re-enter as a whole new persona, was that strange? Was it liberating? For me, it was it was both strange and liberating, I think. Um, it really felt a little bit like a full circle moment, actually, because, um, you know, when I was doing drag about five years ago, it was it was very much uh, a cathartic experience for me, um, you know, with the things that I was going through personally. Um, and part of the reason why I took a break was because I needed to to take time away from it. Um, and I finally um, reached that point in my life where I can I can allow it back into my life and apply everything to it. So it was really it was really surreal last night, and and I really had a wonderful time bringing bringing my drag persona Shanika Sunrise back to life. Yes, well, welcome back, Shanika. <laughs> Let's talk about that five year gap. What was going on for you? I was undergoing chemotherapy for the second time um, after I was after I unfortunately relapsed with advanced Hodgkin lymphoma. Um, it was a very turbulent time for me. So we were, you know, cancer already is is, <laughs> is quite a horrific experience. But for me specifically, it was um, it was really challenging because we were trying trialing loads of different treatments and nothing was kind of working at the time. Um, and drag was really my, I guess my creative outlet to kind of deal with everything and that's part of the reason why I was doing it so much at the time. Um, what happened in the end was that I had a stem cell transplant um, in 2019 that essentially just knocked me out uh, in in both physical, mental and, and also just I guess a spiritual sense as well. I was just completely out of it for a long time um, and I really had to kind of reset um, and I think because of the physical sort of the physical and mental toll that the transplant had had on my life, it, it's really taken me about four years now to to get to this stage now where I'm I'm feeling healthier both physically and and mentally to kind of welcome Shanika back into my life. And it's um, it's it's for that reason that I think last night was such a monumental moment for me because it's like I've you know I've achieved something so great in in my in my little life and uh, and we're back. And it's just really good to be back. Yeah, it sounds like so much more than a little life, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels like quite a big one. 
Yeah, I guess it's been a, it's been a big it's been a big few yeah big events in a in a in a short period of time. It's definitely been that. Um, but I'm just very lucky to be where I am, and and you know I don't I don't take anything for granted. And and yes, I think I think I'm definitely I'm definitely in the mindset now where I want to make make the most of this life and uh, and carry on living it ten out of ten to the fullest. And how was it kind of experiencing that relapse? Everyone's experiences are very unique, obviously, but my experience is very humiliating. And I'll, I'll elaborate on what I mean there. It's just that I think the first time that something like this happens to you, especially being a young person, um, you do have, at least I did, you do have a sense of kind of um, calm, I guess, you know, regardless of, of the chaos. And after you kind of come out, come over the initial shock, people are constantly reminding you that you have your youth on your side, and you know that other, other than other than obviously the, the blaringly obvious, the um, the the cancer, you know, you have you have everything else that's that's working in your favour. And I think the first time that I'd had this, um, I was uh, I was kind of taken. I was taken by surprise, but I was also kind of depending on my sense of humor and my personality to kind of get me through it. And so I, you know, that's when I discovered drag and everything. And that's when I was, you know, making my music as a way to kind of make performance art really out of such a rubbish situation. And so I kind of beat it the first time and, and I kind of proved everyone wrong. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm free and I'm, I've survived it. And then for it to happen again, it's just really kind of like, a, oh, so now what do we do? You know, that, that didn't work the first time and, and, and that whole performance was kind of futile in the end because you really aren't in control. Um, and no matter how much of it, uh, how hard you work or how, you know, how much you pride yourself on being a good person and keeping all of these things like karma in check and being healthy otherwise, like it really is out of your control. And it was just so degrading um, to, to be brought right back down um, and, and right back into that place where, you know, you had to really think again about how to sort of deal with things. But uh, yeah, it really does feel different the second time around. Yeah, wow, that's really powerful. I've never heard anyone describe cancer as humiliating and and obviously from an outside perspective, it feels kind of bizarre, like off the, like off the bat, but when, the way you explain it, it really, I really understand that. I really get that, like your yeah. experience, like you articulated it so well, because it is, I guess you've shown yourself, you've like really put yourself out there in terms of that, in terms of kind of expressing myself and putting myself out there the first time, um, there was definitely something to be, there is definitely something to be said about that because I think I did have a sort of naive public confidence the first time. I was very open with my experience and I was actually vlogging at the time. I, you know, I remember I had, I had a YouTube series where I would document my, my first chemotherapy treatments and I had like a head shave video and all of those things. And it was kind of my way of getting everyone else involved um, to kind of help me through it, but also make such a, a horrendous experience universal and, and um, not in a way that I'm sharing the, the rubbishness of it, but to kind of encourage discussion because it very much is a taboo subject, I think. And what I noticed is with the second time around as, as a sort of product of that, just complete sort of humiliation that I felt I, I really did go into myself um and, and I was I was less public with everything and I actually stopped vlogging things um because it really just um it kind of shattered it kind of derailed all of my my previous coping mechanisms and I just realized that you know it was it was like a fight or flight situation and I had to use everything that was left after the first time on survival I think it's interesting you're calling yourself naive I guess because 
why would you anticipate to have to go through this trauma again? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it was, uh, it's not necessarily, it's not a self-blame thing. It's more retrospectively. I think I had a lot of innocence is probably a better word rather than naivety. Um, I think when you, when you go through something like that, there is, there is some somewhat, there is, there, there is a sort of a novelty um, element to it. I, I guess it's kind of such a, such an out of, out of this world sort of um, abstract experience and you never expect it to happen to you. So when it does, it, it just kind of, you can take it two ways I guess you can kind of crumble or you can just approach it as like uh, wow you know what does this mean well you know let me let me navigate myself in this way and, and see you know what this how this can be made into a positive and I think that is what I mean when I say there was a lot of innocence to it because the second time around I realized that actually like there isn't a lot of positive to an experience like this I was I was very lucky in the end because obviously I'm, I'm still here and, and I had a uh, had success with my with my journey in the end and I'm now in remission um but sometimes you know it's it's like you know that phrase that people throw around a lot of the time everything happens for a reason and all of those things I just kind of don't really believe in anymore and I think that's what I was thinking about the first time around and that's that's what I mean when I say that it was kind of naivety and sort of innocence in sort of trusting in that process because sometimes the process isn't going to trust you back you know like I, I know people that I was going that that were going through the same sort of journeys as me at the time and they're not here anymore um and there's no difference between myself and them in terms of our character and our energy and our joy and everything that we have to give the to offer the world um it just comes down to to the circumstances and, and it's just out of your control and, and I think the same thing could have happened to me as, as many other people. It really makes me think about these um, sort of wellness influencers who kind of talk about how, in fact I heard one recently um, talk about how it was her negative thoughts that gave her cancer and right. spreading this as um as you know gospel that you know it is t- to do with your attitude and your and your mindset when when really like you're you're living proof that that's not the case no absolutely and you know i'm not here to discredit all the people's um you know views on on their experience but i think something that just really hits me is like you know that the friends that i've lost um as a result of this are, are, are you know with some of the brightest people that have that i've ever met and and you know that was quite i had such a hard time actually reconciling with with the fact that they didn't make it because I just could not make sense of it based on that alone. You know, they, they were absolutely bright lights and they they made such a monumental impact on my life, um, you know, in terms of the way that they tackled adversity. And uh, and it just made no sense. Um, so I think, you know, it, it just all comes down to, I think mental, your, your, your attitude really does help you in terms of recovery. I think definitely I, I did have still a determination to recover. And I think that that's what got got me out of bed. Um, and, and perhaps, yes, it, it helped me physically with my with my recovery. It's not the reason why I'm here. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I think that's another thing that's not spoken about a lot is the sort of um, cycles of grief you have to go through within your own recovery because your experience or other people's journeys because you you create that closeness and obviously like you say not everyone makes it how did you how did you balance that the focus on your own recovery yeah definitely this is this is all kind of why i think it's taken me so long to you know to to get to this stage because there are so many stages of grief and it really is grief that you're dealing with it's 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 grief of of people perhaps that you've known who've passed but it's also grief of 
mourning uh, the person that you were um, because, it, you know, the, the sad reality, well, like, it's both sad and, and positive in a way, but it's, you know, is that you are not going to be the person that you were at the beginning of this journey. Um, I had a really hard time dealing with that initially and, and I felt that I'd lost my spark forever and, you know, I had just sort of apathy towards a lot of things and I, I was just worried that I'd never have a sense of humour again. Um, and, you know, obviously that affected my relationship with drag and performance in general, but, you know, there was kind of mourning that. But then also there was the the pressure, I think, um, you know, we, we say survivor's guilt is, is, the, is the term that people use, is, is that there's a lot of pressure, I think, um, that certain people, I'm definitely one of these people, um, puts on themselves to kind of live for for people who didn't sort of who were, who were not so fortunate um to have survived it a huge amount of my energy over the past sort of five four or five years has gone into sort of releasing myself and setting myself free from the burden of living for those who weren't as fortunate as me um because that's not something that anyone tells you that's such a private and personal experience um and you know it was actually it was actually having such an effect on my on my physical health that I was really struggling to kind of just get anything done because I was just was so hard on myself. Um, and so, you know, there's it's such a it is such a long process. In, in many ways, it's still kind of ongoing. I don't think you ever really sort of get over uh, the experience. It is just a, it is just a journey. But um, but I'm definitely in a position now where I think it's that it's a lot healthier for me. That is, you know, it's allowing me to be in this position where I'm. I'm able to put myself out there again and you know live my life um for myself and and let myself feel that it's okay to do that you know yeah and of course it is and I think of course there will be that pressure that perceived need to live the life of however many people but at the end of the day we know that that's just not possible and all you can do is be you and excel as you in whatever form that is and that's not necessarily you know going out and becoming famous but it's just you know having that comfort in life that um you wanted to have previously exactly yeah it's all about it's about peace really um you know it's a, a huge part of this thing is is really with control and i think you have such a complete lack of control when you're diagnosed initially and you know your body is literally turning against you so you know regardless of what your thoughts are your body is just saying otherwise so there's that sort of lack of control and then there's the control that you try and impose on your life afterwards when you're you know navigating this space um that is just alien to you because you are both alien to this world that is not is not really used to this new person that you've become um and then there's just acceptance that actually no one really knows how to navigate that space because it, it's an abstract experience and, and you you are actually fine to to let go of that control and just just let just let yourself go with it really and take it easy you know say no to things and, and just take as long as you need to heal so I think control really just kind of summarizes a lot of a lot of that that sort of experience. What was your diagnosis journey? So in 2016, uh, when I was a lot younger <laughs> and I was at university, I was studying, I was I was at a different university actually, but I was doing a hundred thousand things at the same time. So I was working, I was uh, I was studying, I was teaching, I was learning Spanish, which I had no business doing because my degree was not in Spanish. Um, and <laughs> basically I was just kind of really run down. So initially I just thought, oh, I've just 
been burning the candle at both ends and you know I'm obviously going to be feeling a bit fatigued and you know it's probably nothing I was also 19 at the time so you just do not think the worst um but I went to the GP anyway because I'd had a couple of lumps on my neck um you know like just my glands were a bit swollen and I just thought oh it's, it's a bit strange because they're not they're not painful and I don't you know other than the fact that I'm really not looking after myself like there's not really much that I can you know identify as the cause for this so they kind of looked at me and they took a few blood tests and they were like okay well um we'll let you know uh it's probably nothing you know have you kissed anyone <laughs> recently maybe it's that or you know what's what's up and I just kind of thought okay well they've said it's fine um they actually did get back to me with blood results and it just said that I was slightly anemic which runs in my family so I just didn't really think much of it and decided I would just eat more spinach um and then I kind of just sort of carried on living uh, at a thousand miles per hour and I uh I left this for about four to five months and then in the new year so this the first you know the first appointment was in September 2016 then in the new year um I I noticed that there were a few other things that were happening uh, and it was very obvious to me that my immune system was uh, was significantly weaker I think that it had been previously because I was just getting ill really easily I had um, I think I kept getting tonsillitis and then I had like like oral thrush I think and then I was like really tired and then it got to the point where I was so fatigued that I couldn't really get through the day without like having coffee like every two hours and I think I'd, I'd get to like midday and just sort of collapse at a desk I was so tired kind of doing everything and then I had a few night sweats and I just had like all of these symptoms that came all together and I basically just went back to the GP and I was like I've got like this and this and this and they kind of said well you've got one appointment so we can only talk about one problem and I said no you listen to me I've already been to you lot and I'm telling you now that this is not right there is something going on and she kind of had a little bit of feel and she was like, oh, OK, so what we're going to do, uh, we're going to refer you to a specialist um, and uh, and they'll go and see you. And then before you know it, I was on the lumps and bumps ward at Coventry University Hospital um, and I was just there and they were like, oh, so we're going to do a few biopsies um, and then we'll get you, you know, we'll we'll, we'll let you know what what what, what what's the tea. Um, and I was sat out in the waiting room and then the, the specialist actually came out and sat with me and this was kind of the first sort of indication for me that things were um, not perhaps as they should be and she kind of said so um, I was just wondering if you have any sort of assignments that are coming up on uni uh, at university and uh, if you just let me know kind of like what the dates are for all of those I've got absolutely no problem writing you a letter to say that you can be relieved of, of, of those and you know you can have an extension if need be um and I was like oh well what do you know that I don't sort of thing and she was a bit like yeah we're just gonna try and rule out something called Hodgkin lymphoma and the words that she used were rule out specifically so it was never really sort of like it's definitely that you know I think it could be this it was just like a well you know kind of hope it's not it might be but you know we'll see yeah a massive roller coaster what's really standing out to me is the fact that you got there through advocating for yourself they were so ready to tell you no you've got this amount of allotted time and not view view you as a holistic being you know exactly exactly i think the problem is i think specifically as a young person i was 19 at the time and i had so many sort of just usual sort of normal student fluey type symptoms um, that kind of encouraged a lot of doctors to kind of just look at me and just think, oh, you, you've just been on too many nights out or, you know, you're just like I even thought I'm working myself too hard. I'm doing 
too many things and I need to get more rest. Um, but I would just also encourage on that note, just anyone to to sort of trust your body because there is no harm in just kind of pressing. Um, you know, you worst case scenario, you're just going to get a doctor turn around and be like, oh, well, you know, you panicked for nothing. It's all fine. But obviously, you know, the earlier you catch diagnosis, the better. I still perhaps wasn't even as quick as, as I could have been uh, because at the time that I was diagnosed, I was stage four and it was it was pretty much everywhere. Um, and I think that's also because I'd kind of, I'd taken reassurance at their initial sort of, not dismissal, but they, they hadn't really considered all the levels in the beginning and that's not their fault. It's just the way that the system is. Um, and so I'd kind of just like, carried on with my head in the sand until I realized that it was, it was not, um, it was, it wasn't exactly you know what we thought um so yeah I, I definitely think there's something to be said about that I think you, you do know your body um and you absolutely should um advocate for yourself and you should get yourself checked out if you find yourself in a situation where you have any seed of doubt some excellent perspective from like all, all these challenges that you've faced thank you for sharing because I think it is so important I think sometimes people undermine themselves they, they think that they have health anxiety when really maybe they're just in tune with their body or they, um, you know, um, think, oh, I'm catastrophizing. But all you can do when you are catastrophizing, when it is health related, is engage with health services. Make sure you have all the information, because if you are a young person, especially if you're they know you're at uni, maybe they are likely to be like, oh, not this again oh, someone's trying to get a sick note so they don't have to go to their exams or um, someone's just been snogging everyone in the club. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It it really is. I think that the solution to that is, is really to just encourage that conversation. I think cancer is such a taboo subject and it's, it's even more, you know, it's even more rare that we find people actually discussing childhood cancer and young people specifically. Um, but it's it's it happens <laughs> you know the, the reality is that young people are diagnosed with cancer and and we shouldn't be afraid to talk about it um and i think you know it could really help so many people if we just if we just kept that conversation going um and, and we reminded people that actually yeah um it doesn't it, it's not necessarily going to affect everyone but it, there is a chance that, it, that you, you you might get it um and, and the best way to ensure that that you going to have the most positive outlook you know 99% of the time is is by getting that early diagnosis and, and by being you know sort of um encouraged to get yourself checked out you, you just don't want to find yourself in a situation where you think oh it's never going to be me I'm too young for this it's you know I, I don't smoke I don't do any of these things because it's it's not necessarily that simple you know we touched on your transplant earlier but let's talk more about that because obviously that's such a vital part Yes, absolutely. So, so a stem cell transplant is uh, is essentially so when you relapse. So I had lymphoma. So obviously it's uh, it's a blood cancer. It's it's, it's similar to leukemia, but they are they are different. Um, and what happens when you relapse is your body is essentially resistant to to the, the main line of treatment that, that that you've had in the first instance. Um, and and in some cases it can mean that actually your immune system in general um, is just overpowering any any treatments that you have. And I think in my case, I'd had so many different forms of chemotherapy. And even if I'd got into remission initially, which is what had happened in 2017, um, that the treatments aren't enough to sort of keep it at bay because your body is just going to be a diva um, and say, no, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna keep mutating um, and I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep giving you these problems, which is what happened in my instance. And so a stem cell transplant essentially resets your immune system, um, which is you know it is as complicated as it sounds. And, and essentially what happens is you have a really intense form of chemotherapy that essentially wipes out all of your white blood cells and so you you basically lose your immune system um and then to sort of rescue you um you have other stem cells transplanted into you what they can do in some cases is they can harvest your own stem cells so these are not cancer cells these are just the stem cells of your own blood if, if they can harvest enough and they can just transplant those into you or they can give you what is called an allogeneic um, transplant, which is where they will give you white blood cells of a really close immune system match, which could be a family member or it could be someone on the donor register. Um, and that immune system is essentially transplanted into you. So they literally just give you a bag of blood and it's, uh, and it's transfused. And then you have to just have this period of waiting to see if it's gonna take to you or not. Um, in my case, because of the prognosis that I was offered, they said, you know, there are a lot more risks involved with it with a donor um and you know if your body doesn't take to it you die basically um but you know if if you have your own cells you, you could also die again because you could just relapse again um and so when you hear all of these statistics and you put it all together you're just in this period where you're like well either way they're not really great opportunity they're really they're not really great options so you know you have to just kind of take a little bit of a gamble and a lot of people do opt for um you know having their own stem cells and, and they they have a lot of success with those but in my case because i was worried about just longevity and, and, and keeping myself in remission i did opt to have a transplant from a donor now being a person of color being specifically mixed race i was in a period of difficulty initially trying to find a bone marrow match because unfortunately we are very underrepresented on the stem cell register a lot of the time um the majority of people are are white who are on the register we were looking for don't for, for stem cell matches essentially for for a, a brief period um obviously because you are a product of 50 percent of of each of your parents it wouldn't really have been realistic to take any one of my parents dna because then i would have only had sort of like a five out of ten chance um of things working and there would have been a lot of complications otherwise my sister wasn't a match um and so they tested my brother and luckily my brother was a stem cell match um so i was very fortunate because it meant that i could have his stem cells transplanted into me and i was pretty blessed to be honest to have that because if i didn't have his stem cells i would have it would have been very difficult essentially uh, for me to find a match so i think you know on that note i would also encourage anyone um regardless of ethnicity to sign up onto the stem cell register because you could really save lives you could save so many people's lives and you know I, the reason that i'm here now four years of remission is because i was lucky to have my brother i'd be doing a disservice to everyone if i didn't if i didn't use this opportunity to tell everyone to to sign up really yeah i think also physically um in terms of the actual process that that has on you obviously with with a complete with a complete sort of immune system reset you are essentially kind of reborn <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, you have to have all of your vaccinations again. You have to kind of like be kept under surveillance. You know, you're not really supposed to go out and socialize until you've got your strength back because you are so fundamentally weakened. Um, they take, it takes a lot of time. It takes, it takes months. It can even take years to kind of get to a point of, of strength. 
again where you can sort of operate and, and lead a sort of semi-healthy normal life afterwards if that even is, is possible um in my case i was on a lot of immunosuppressants um afterwards that you know were there to sort of help my body graft um these new stem cells unfortunately i i have as a result of it develops what's something that is called GVHD, which is graft versus host disease, which is a very common common complication of stem cell transplants. And it essentially means that as as lucky I was as I was to have my brother's uh, immune system uh, be a match to mine, it's not quite worked out as as, ha as well as we would have hoped. And they're currently fighting each other, which means I do now have a chronic um, well, it's a disease really. Um, and you know, it's something that is you know that flares up every now and then and, and hopefully in, in, in the next sort of few years it will settle and I might be able to have another dose of his cells to kind of balance out the things uh, balance out the levels but um even still you know things are things are still kind of ongoing I, I am in remission but it's uh it's a very complicated process and I think physically as well that can that can definitely affect you um you know it's it's given me hypothyroidism thyroidism as well which is obviously influence my mental health because of my hormones and all of those other things so it's it's a very complicated process and yeah I think a lot of people don't really know exactly what it involves because to be able to be to be in that sort of category of people who need a stem cell transplant you're already dealing with a, a really small minority of people you know who've had not as much success with their first line of treatment so yeah it's, it's a good good discussion to have I think and encourage that conversation so people just know about what it involves been so valuable for you to be able to share your story because I think there's an understanding of um, cancer as being you know diagnosis chemo recovery and then maybe sometimes um, relapse but never having the full picture of the aftermath and yes understanding what that looks like beyond beyond the chemo treatment exactly exactly I think I think that the thing is with, with an experience like this is um, I think identity is a huge part of it. Um, you know, you kind of know, you know yourself well enough before you, you are diagnosed and you might pride yourself on the things that make you tick and, you know, your interests or whatever. But when this happens to you, you, you become a patient, <laughs> whether you like it or not, you do, you, you know, you sign your life over to these people and you, you, you give all of your sort of, all of your agency is handed over to, to doctors and, and and that can be an experience in itself but for me it was just a little bit like well let me just carry on being positive they know everything and I, I I'm gonna keep myself just going you know along um but what happens is I think and this is very common uh, is that when you when you are lucky enough to sort of reach remission and you're kind of like released back out into the world you do lose all of that care. You lose all of that security. You lose that sort of, um, that reassurance from people that, you know, this is your purpose. This is what you're doing. You are a patient, you, you just stay on this treatment. Uh, and when you're healthy, you can go and enjoy yourself and you can do all of those things. Um, this is what you are. This is what you, your purpose is really. My purpose, I guess, at the time was survival. It was, it was being a patient and it was getting into remission. But when you're released, what you have is, it's just this, void this this huge sort of space where you're just like what do I do now you know who am I now because my my life is my life is just so drastically it's just completely different now
I don't know how to navigate this space. I don't know how to relate to the friends that I had before because now we are just different because of our life experiences. And um, there's a disconnect there with your relationships. There's a disconnect with, it could be anything. It could be interest, sexuality. Um, it could be sense of humor. All of those different things are just completely brand new. Um, and you really just have no, you have no idea how to how to grapple with that um, and to sort of navigate that, that space. And that is also what takes time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now literally past sort of 18 months. I've got to that point now where I'm like, I, I find things funny again. And I know that sounds like, you know, what do you mean by that? But it's just, you really just, it's just so, it's so great. Like afterwards, and I, I really want to be positive. And I want to say that, you know, oh, well, you're a survivor, you know, you must feel great afterwards. But it's, it's, it's dealing with all that trauma because, you know, when you, when you go through it, some of the time, you know, a lot of the time, at least for me, I didn't have... I didn't have the chance, I didn't have the time or or the option to think, oh, this is rubbish, like, you know, oh, I'm having a rubbish time because I had to focus all my energy on survival. So, you know, at the, on the other side of it, you, you are dealing with the backlash of all of that and, and it comes back to bite you because because then you realise actually what you've been through and, and then you're just set back a little bit. So it's yeah, it's just it's just a really it's 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 a roller coaster of experiences. Um, but it's also a good discussion to have is that, you know. I guess you know if you're or if you know someone who's 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 on the other side and you know they they seem to be doing well it's not always the case and it might not it might not uh, be a bad thing to just to just check up and uh, and keep that sort of engagement with them if if you feel like that might be something that could help them because in my case I think uh, yeah I, I could have perhaps done with a little bit more a little bit more support and you know not from like my friends I was very lucky and I, I was very blessed. I've got a great supportive family and friend network, but um, just from from a healthcare perspective, I think we could do a lot more still to to keep that sort of post treatment care um, up for, for people who need it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, honestly, because it, it is really strange being a patient and also have to deal with still being a person and having all that go alongside that so to have to balance being a patient and a person and just have your life continue while your illness might be maybe progressing or your side effects might might be continuing or amping up is so much and then the the feelings of abandonment make sense you know like you say that is your support network and then you're kind of you're lost and you're not seeing those same faces anymore yeah exactly it's kind of like it's it's really difficult to kind of describe because it, it's not i i've been really lucky with all the care that i've had and you know I specifically i was i was treated at the christie which is one of the leading cancer centers um in europe uh, in the world actually um and and i cannot fault the care that they gave to me it was absolutely wonderful i was completely looked after um from everything you know on on, on all bases um, and it's not it's not to sort of discredit them for for neglecting me and it isn't as, as if I, I I necessarily felt abandoned it's more just kind of like you just feel I think afterwards that you you could do with having like some more sort of there should be a you know not there should be but it, it would be helpful I think if there was more sort of like a something some sort of program that they could perhaps put you on I think when you when you are in in, in remission and you are navigating at least those first couple of years um, of your life um, because that very that that can be the hardest time. Um, and I understand, obviously, like their priorities are are in getting you healthy and, and getting you sort of 
all in the clear and in remission or you know not always sometimes just getting you stable but mental health is really important as well and you know that that is something that i think people don't really think about a lot uh when it comes to cancer and when it comes to chronic illness in general you know it's so much more than just a physic physical thing um and i i think i think yeah i think if people just were more aware of that um then, then we could perhaps help out a lot of people i guess my, my experience is quite universal in the sense that they can they can be received by all, all types of people but uh, I do think that um, it's complicated, you know, because I think w with a thing like this, it's it's there is no one size fits all. Everyone's experiences are so fundamentally different. I have a very dear friend of mine who, unfortunately, does have a terminal diagnosis, um, and so they they are not going to be as fortunate to sort of see the other side. But their their ways of dealing with things are so different to mine. Um, you know, I I completely admire them for their sort of resilience and their their absolute persistence to sort of just live with such a, a joyful head and, and just be, you know, just seize life in the way that they are. And and I've, I've really, you know, you never know what goes on behind closed doors, but I know them, I know them fairly well enough and, uh, and they are just constantly positive. And that is something that's admirable. And it's something that I was never able to do, uh, you know, as positively as I presented myself, at least outward facing, in, in, in an outward facing sort of sense, I, uh, I did struggle. I think, yeah, it's just a reminder that we all have things that we can share and we can we can help other people with our experiences but every experience is different there shouldn't be any pressure for you to make your experience relatable for everyone you know um you just take your time and you do what you need to do because uh you know it's it's your life so thank you so much jay that's all we've got time for today but yeah i want to thank you so much for your reflection on your experience and not just because it's um personal to you i think that's also very important and can be very difficult to do to be so vulnerable but to have like such such good takes on sort of like ways to improve it's not your responsibility but to have that insight is um so valuable and it, it it's it's really it, it's so hard being ill <laughs> like um, <laughs> you know like it, it it's so draining and this is coming from you know someone with very different um illnesses but the, the the need to be like somewhat positive so people don't say to be positive yeah like it's i i, I kind of i feel that in a lot of what you're saying you know because i often feel like when i'm sharing my experience with someone i have to kind of do the whole shit sandwich thing or yeah. well, more like a um, shit prosciutto <laughs> <laughs> because I like you know I, I tell them everything that's wrong and how difficult it is and then I end it with oh but you know what this is happening and I've got this referral and it is sometimes for the benefit of the person I'm speaking to yeah other than myself and I can really hear that you've had points in your journey where the positivity is for you it's for other people it's for everyone including yourself and yeah that is so relatable isn't it and you know even just the simplest thing like fatigue so many people don't understand what fatigue is like you know with my my gvhd at the moment it's 
it's pretty impossible to get out of bed, you know, like it doesn't matter how, how many hours of sleep I've had and, you know, how well hydrated I am. Like it's, it's like on a cellular level, you know, if, if I describe fatigue to people, they'll just think, oh, well, just get more rest. You know, you're, you're just tired or whatever. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative about things and I, I am still managing fairly well and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed <laughs> to have that as my reality. But it's just encouraging that discussion. It's that, you know, yes, it might just seem like fatigue is just one thing. And it's, it's just an example of, of like, just people not really understanding, I think, um, that what it is. And I, you know, I've got a, a dear friend of mine who has Crohn's disease. Um, and we, we met up this week and we were just discussing uh, loads of different things. But we were mentioning this and it was just funny because it was just like, you know, we have such a, a similar experience in terms of that. And it's just like, you know, we're not, we're not being lousy we're not we're not lazy we're just knackered on a cellular level <laughs> you know we're just with this heat it's just like yeah we'll, we'll we'll be there you just might not get all of us but it but that's okay you know we know we know what we're going through and that's fine and sometimes it is just that little solid that, that sort of element of solidarity that you have with other people who are going through an experience that is not necessarily exactly what you're going through but you know it's uh it's it's like a it's a support network isn't it so um yeah yeah, and that's what you're kind of craving after leaving that uh, hospital. Oh, um, God. Well, again, thank you so much for speaking with us today on the podcast. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for having me, Alice. It's been absolutely <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Bye, everybody.